Welcome back to the Employee Safety Podcast. I'm Sarah Prattley, and I'm glad to be back to guest host the show while Peter is out this week. Today, I am joined by my industry peer and old friend, Ian Phillips. Ian is the Vice President of International News at the Associated Press, commonly known as the AP. Ian has a long and really impressive background in journalism, and I was excited to speak to him about a relatively new assignment that he's taken on that is focused on journalist safety. Many of the insights that Ian offers are applicable to any organization that has traveling or dispersed workers, loan workers, or employees on assignment or out in the field. I found his perspective to be absolutely fascinating, and I think that you will as well. So let's go ahead and get into the show. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Ian, thanks for being here. How are you? Very well, Sarah. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for joining us. Okay, well, let's go ahead and start at the beginning with your career background and how you arrived at the AP. Can you tell us a little bit about your time there and your journey? Sure. Like many back in the day, I was kind of in the right place at the right time. Uh, It was much easier back then. I didn't have any formal training in journalism, but I had a desire to write, to report, and to be an eyewitness of events, whether small or large. I actually got my break in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, at an English language newspaper. I was enthusiastic and I was cheap. And from (laughs) there, I got work as a freelancer for Reuters. Uh, mainly covering soccer and Diego Maradona in the run-up to the U.S. World Cup, which was a bit of a dream for a young kid who liked football back then. And from there, I jumped to AP, uh, the competition. That was way back in the mid-90s, and I've been with AP ever since in various positions on reporting and editing assignments around the world, uh, including running the Middle East when around the time we met, and more recently as head of international news uh, for AP from a base in New York. It sounds like an amazing journey, a kind of a a storied career path already. And congratulations on your new role and your new focus. Let's actually talk about that. So why don't you talk about this new assignment and your new focus? Yeah, sure. It's, It's a different pace. Last summer, I was asked by our new executive editor to focus on safety, security, and crisis management for a year. It's a break from the day to day of news. Of course, it's not completely divorced from news. Safety has to be at the heart of so many decisions we now take around the world on any given day. But it's given me a great opportunity to get out of the fast lane, one you're very familiar with mm-hmm. uh, from your time at CNN, and focus more strategically on what AP currently has and where we need to be in terms of physical security of teams, defending people against online harassment, which is a growing danger, and also preparing for crises such as arrests, injury, or even death. Well, it sounds like the AP is definitely doubling down in this area. What would you say are the circumstances surrounding this new assignment? What are journalists experiencing that led the AP to really focus more heavily in this area? I think the world is genuinely getting more and more dangerous. When I was in the Middle East, that seemed to be the epicenter of pretty much all the threats we faced as journalists. And we lived through tragedies in Afghanistan and in Gaza. And of course, the Middle East remains very volatile, but risk is now spread pretty much across the entire globe, including here in the US. It can take many forms. An anti-COVID vaccine rally can be a very dangerous place to be, especially if you're you're a young journalist who doesn't have hostile environment training. There are coups uh, happening in so many places around the world. And as news agency journalists, we're kind of like the first responders. We need to be there to witness these events. And this can come with a lot of danger. 
Then there's also the issue of online harassment. When I took on this project, I admit I wasn't quite aware how much of my time that would take up. It's time really well spent, but it is, it is just growing and growing in terms of the severity. There are people out there who are not only willing to abuse you online, but some actually stalk you and find you or threaten your families. Um, we need to prep our people for that sort of scenario before and after a story is published. You know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, used to be associated with frontline journalists in war zones, but even that is something we're now seeing around the world in, in mainstream Western countries where you wouldn't normally have associated with it. You know, it's, it, it can apply to editors and producers who are dealing with nasty content, but it can also involve people who are just facing this relentless trend of stalking or harassment. Yeah, it's definitely a, a much more polarizing environment. There's a lot that's changed out there. Um, let's definitely talk about the evolution of journalist safety. You just mentioned a number of circumstances that are currently ongoing. You've, of course, spent many years as a journalist and as a leader in the field. How would you say everything has evolved throughout your years in the industry? Well, you said the word polarization, and I think that is really key. I, I do think there is increasing anger. There is increasing polarization. You know, some years ago, you'd write a story I mean, okay, this was a different era. You'd, you'd write a story and you would hope it would get published in a newspaper. And that was pretty much it. You'd, you'd, you'd look forward to a clipping and you'd be proud when you saw it. Now things are published instantaneously and the reaction online is severe. And it just seems to me that we're in an environment where you know, people don't want to listen to the opinions of other people anymore. People make up their mind. I'm not talking about everybody, but sectors of society have made up their mind what the reality is. And when they read or view or hear something that says something else, they get angry. And increasingly, they are targeting the people that do that work. We've seen recently cases of our journalists being confronted at home. People, you know, critics, people who are not happy, trolls have actually found very easily where those people live. They can go on Google Earth and get a shot of their house, of their car. They can figure out where their kids go to school. Most of it, is just empty threat, but you never know. And it preys on your mind and especially on the minds of new people in this business. And it's a major concern. So that's something we are increasingly putting our focus on. Okay. Wow. That's, you know, clearly a lot to manage. What advice do you give to these journalists in the field that are potentially being targeted, whether it looks legitimate or not? It's a very good question. And we don't have the perfect answer, but in recent months, I've seen various cases of people just needing to take a moment, take a breath, don't jump on social media, don't answer people, don't, don't fall into the trap that's being set. Now, that doesn't always apply, and, and, and some people's reaction has been, well, my reputation's at stake here. I want to I get out there and say my piece. My response is, let the company do that. You, know, you have a company that has your back. At AP, we take this seriously, and if necessary, we might come out with a statement, or we might put our commentary out on social media. But a lot of the time, if, if you just take a break, put your phone down, just get off social media, don't respond, sometimes these guys go away. Not always. We, we've had cases of you know, online harassment turning into phone calls and threats. And sometimes we've got law enforcement involved. But often it's just walk away, 
walk away and let's hope these people don't get what they're looking for and move on. Yeah, you're right. Taking a pause can can certainly help a lot in these situations, you know, and having the company support is obviously huge for journalists, but just kind of for all companies uh, writ large. So let's go ahead and dive into, you know, how you guys are solving for some of these safety and security challenges. When you jumped into this role, where did you start? Well, there are many facets to it. You can and you must, of course, do risk analysis for assignments in hotspots. We've always done that, but that field is evolving as well. So I think the, the first challenge for me was to take a look at how we assess risk when we go into hotspots. This takes the shape of a Q&A traditionally. You look at issues like, do you have the right protective equipment? What are your options in terms of evacuation or for other emergency situations? What routes will you be taking? Is there any research we can do on your behalf to look at what risk that might entail, what sort of danger there might be for you when you're in that situation. That's pretty much due diligence, but in, your, in my new role, I'm, I'm looking to expand on that as well. It's not just a question about location anymore. Traditionally, we've, we've thought of risk as the places you go to. These days, risk is also individual, who you are. You know, and that can have many dimensions too. It could be your gender. It could be your sexual orientation. It could be your religious beliefs. So many individual components that perhaps weren't considered in the past. We look at the makeup of teams. Do we have the right level of experience? Maybe there's somebody who has less experience. So team them up with someone that really knows the lay of the land and you can get a good chemistry in that team. It almost sounds overwhelming when you have to consider all of the risk. And, and a lot of it is building on practices that news organizations like APE or in your case in the past CNN have, have always had. But this is very much an evolving field. You have to also plan for what, what could happen in other situations. One, one piece of work I'm doing with a colleague at the AP is to do crisis preparation in terms of you know, and getting a network of diplomats and influencers that could help in a bad situation. We've had arrests in Myanmar, in Sudan, in China, currently in Ethiopia, all in the space of the last year or so. And there's nothing worse than getting that news and thinking, where do I start? Who do I call? We're trying now to prepare for those situations by building up a team of diplomats, maybe people with economic leverage or lobbyists, people that can get to the person who can influence a decision and maybe get that person out of what is an arbitrary arrest. You know, the, most often it's somebody who's just doing their job. They haven't done anything wrong. They haven't broken any national laws, but they've just got swept up or they've been pulled in by a junior policeman. They've been thrown into the prison network and suddenly they vanish. And in situations like that, you need all the help you can possibly get. So preparation is key on so many fronts. Well, you said it, it's definitely complex. There's a lot of different complexities to it, but but yeah, preparation seems to be at the core of every organization handling different strategies and issues here. I, you know, I think it's pretty well recognized. The media space can be quite competitive, but of course, safety feels like something that's very universal and a universal concern. Are you communicating and uh, partnering with any other media outlets? Do you talk to industry peers to try and problem solve? We really do. And, and that to me has been one of the greatest positives in this field. Uh, it's been a surprise. You know, you'll be very familiar with that sort of competitive edge we all have. Mm. Everybody wants to break news. Everybody wants to be first. And, you know, we really do compete to the point where, you know, we measure our performance by, you know, did you win by seconds or minutes? And yet in 
safety and security, there literally is no competition. So there's been wonderful collaboration in this space with some of our biggest competitors. When something has gone wrong for us, you automatically get emails of support. What can we do? You know, we've been in this situation. How can we help? And it's not just platitude. It, it really is genuine. And we've done the same for others in those situations. We've all been there. And it's a very lonely experience when something goes wrong and it's on your shoulders to fix. And you think, where do I start? So there are, you know, there's conversations going on organically between people that know each other and, and organizations, but there are also networks. Now, I recently joined the board of INSEE, the International New Safety Institute, which is really refreshing. It's, it's exactly what you have uh, described there. It's all major news organizations who are permanently swapping intel. In the case of Kazakhstan this week, you know, who's in? Which route did you take? Are you okay operating there without credentials? Is there a way of getting credentials? Do you have problems taking in PPE, protective equipment? Do you have problems taking in sat phones? And people are so eager to share that you get really critical information in real time. And that is priceless. Wow. It's great to hear that there's such a collective partnership there across the board with all the different organizations across the industry. You know, it, it obviously is very high stakes. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about physical safety and of course that's hugely important across all portfolios, but mental health seems to be something that's creeping into a lot of our conversations, you know, a huge topic, of course, with the pandemic over recent years, but due to a lot of um, different variables going on in different environments, what is the AP doing when it comes to mental health and journalists, you know, both as you prepare for potentially difficult situations, but also on the back end when somebody has experienced something. Well, in about seven hours time, I'm doing the first of six training sessions with Asia in mind on online harassment. We've teamed up with PEN America, a group that's done a lot of work in this field. And we're teaching people about scenarios, how to defend yourself, what to do, what not to do, and sharing experiences. There's going to be a two sets of three courses, very thorough, very intense, some real life scenarios just so that people understand you know, it might not be happening to them right now in their specific country, but it probably is coming their way. I find that it's mostly happening in the US because of the polarization that we've discussed and because of the, 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 the widespread use of social media. But we're seeing it a lot in places like China, in the Gulf. I was talking yesterday to one of our migration reporters in Europe who said pretty much any time she publishes a story about migration in Europe, she gets a lot of abuse from people very far away on the other side of the world, sometimes in the United States, who have no stake in that story, but because she is saying something that is different to their beliefs, then it's provoking this anger. So, you know, we're, we're going through examples to say, this is what you should do and, you know, be prepared for it. And by preparation, I mean, things like digital hygiene. You know, it's very easy, like I was saying earlier, to find out where people live their phone numbers. It's we, Our lives are all over the internet, whether it be on social media or other platforms. It's so easy to find the identity and the location of individuals and journalists. And this obviously applies for other fields as well. So we teach people about their options. You know, there are ways to kind of hide your identity a little. Now, in the most extreme cases in journalism, some people are now saying, I don't really feel comfortable with a byline. I don't want my name on that story. That's really sad. They've put on a lot of work, but can totally understand why they might think it's just not worth my time. I don't, I want to protect my family. I want to protect my mental health. So we're going to be talking a lot about these situations. Talking and listening is key. 
you know, the, 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 the examples I've had to deal with in the last six months, the key has been putting in an individual call to somebody, hearing them out, listening, let, let them vent, let them talk about the stress they're facing. Even that is a great help. Congratulations on launching that program. It definitely sounds like it's critical at a time like now. So best of luck with that. All right, Ian. So one of the things we like to do at the close of each episode is ask our guests to provide listeners with a piece of advice or a lesson learned that they can take back to their organizations and hopefully make some sort of immediate impact. So a final question to you on that, what knowledge would you impart on our audience? How can they better protect their employees or improve their safety and security programs? That's a great question. I would say personalize what you do. Pick up the phone. You know, we, we've all lived in the world of email for so long, but there's nothing like a phone call. Talk to people, see how they are, see what they're experiencing, see what their concerns are. You'll learn a lot more. You know, in, in, in journalism, you'll probably hear that actually things were more dangerous than was previously conveyed in an email, riskier. If you've built up a relationship with that person and you're not calling with an agenda or just to tick a box and you're authentic, people will open up and you will learn so much more. So, you know, based on that, I think you can do a proper, more tailored assessment of an individual's safety, mental health, and needs. You know, this is intense. It's time-consuming. We work in very large companies with people spread out around the world. But that one phone call to ask how someone is, to say thank you, maybe, for a job they've done, ask after their family, their parents, just keeping it informal, I think that, that creates a bond. It creates a trust. And there's payback. You know, you become a better leader. Next time you ask for something, it happens. And, you know, your, your staff are your greatest assets. I, I think that really applies to all businesses, not just media. So invest in them, talk to them, let them be heard. That's amazing advice. That's really great advice. And it's so simple, right? It's the human touch. And as you mentioned, it just, it goes a long way. It seems so, so simple, but so unique and so profound at a time like now. And of course, something that really applies across all businesses and industries around the globe. Well, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time and for being a guest with us. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm absolutely positive that our audience will as well. It'd be my pleasure, Sarah. Thank you so much for the invitation. And if anyone's looking to get in touch with you or has any questions, what's the best way for people to find you? Yeah, no, I'd love to connect with people. Uh, that's been one of the great things about this new role. I've met so many people on the outside and made some really good connections. So I welcome people. They can find me on LinkedIn, Ian Phillips. It's very easy, probably the easiest. I get so much email, things get lost. But yeah, drop me a note on LinkedIn, Ian Phillips, and I'd be uh, really delighted to continue any conversations. That sounds great. Well, Ian, thank you so much again. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on the Employee Safety Podcast. It's always fun to sit in for Peter every time I can. If you like what you heard, I encourage you to subscribe to future episodes at Alert Media's website or on your favorite podcast player. Stay safe out there. And until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. 
You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.